Hello and welcome to Alora Public Radio, the official Blackhorn Books podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and follow me as I interview the authors, editors, artists, and staff who make this unique LGBTQ plus publisher work. Senior editor and author Dave Damar is back to talk about his first new Black Warren release, Certified Gold, on the air. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Thank you so much for having me back. So, how's it feel to finish your first book for Black Warren? It's it's surreal to say the say the least. This is my first full length novel. I mean, I've published stuff in the past, including stuff for Black Warren, but. Those have been much shorter endeavors. We're talking about a book that's easily 80,000 words. And I honestly didn't know I had it in me, but apparently I did. Excellent. We're glad to finally have you contribute a full book. I know you did a you did a small story for Sam Hain's Secrets, which eventually evolved into the book that you ended up finishing and we're going to be releasing. Am I correct? That is correct. The uh, The original story, which was Climbing the Charts, was a much, much shorter version. It's only about 25,000 words. So the, the new story uh, encapsulates that, though it's also been greatly expanded, both in what appears in the in the anthology collection and also, obviously, for the, the novel. So if you have read Sound Secrets, just know that the the new book is not just a rehashing of that. It is like a, an extended cut plus another maybe 50,000 words on top of that. So there's plenty there that uh, readers who might have originally enjoyed the first short story will uh, hopefully enjoy the rest of the story. Okay. Now, before we ask a little bit more about that, what is the book about? What are we getting into? Right. So the book itself is set in the Argent City, which is uh, the setting that is the creation of Vaughn Ardemont, who is the managing editor and uh, co-founder of Blackborn Books. It is an urban fantasy story where there are mythic creatures living alongside and largely undetected by humans. And all these mythic creatures have their own lives and uh, their own um, motivations. And in this case, the main character of On the Air is a young dragon who is living in human form in the city. And it is his first semester at Alora University. So he is a freshman in college, and which makes it a coming-of-age story told, told through the perspective of one of the mythic creatures that uh, lives inside the Argent City. So, as you mentioned, On the Air is clearly a coming-of-age story, which makes Ricky an unlikely protagonist in some ways. What would you like the readers to get out of the narrative? Well, I would hope that Ricky is relatable. Uh, there are plenty of people out there that have sort of felt unsure of themselves uh, after uh, going to college for the first time. I know that I was certainly one of those. Um, I would hope that some of the things that Ricky faces, though obviously there are supernatural and mythic threats, I hope nobody has to face any of those. But I do hope that they many of the things that Ricky does face are analogous to things that all of us may have had to face uh, in our own lives and can draw some some solace from seeing someone else struggle and hopefully uh, overcome these things. And also, of course, I'd like to entertain uh, our readers to give them an entertaining story. It's one that's filled with a lot of humor and uh, adventure and uh, things of that sort. And from everything that everybody's telling me, they say that it seems to be pretty good, though, of course, I'm never going to believe it. Because of course I'm the one who I'm the one who created it, so I figure eh, I've been staring at this thing for almost a year now, so I can't even 
comprehend if it's actually good or not at this point. Imposter syndrome? Not necessarily imposter syndrome. More like I am ready to get this thing out of me. I feel like a I feel like a a mother that's been pregnant for uh well over term and is ready to have the the child induced so they can actually get it out of them and they can move on with their lives completely understandable what was the inspiration for the character of ricky are there any biographical elements well there are to a degree i mean obviously i am not a, a a dragon in human form though some people may tell you otherwise don't believe them um okay. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky goes through a lot of the same things that I might have gone through. Uh, for instance, Ricky suffers from a really bad uh stuttering problem. And that's something that I had as a child. And my experiences with learning how to control my stutter are something that is definitely part of the uh the book and part of Ricky's characterizations. Uh a lot of that is comes to his uh his anxiety, which is a very common thing for a lot of people, myself included. And a lot of the inspiration for some of Ricky's uh, familial uh, characters, the characters in his family, come from uh, inspirations from my own family, though I will not tell you who was is, who is inspired by whom because I don't want to get into trouble uh, at next Thanksgiving when people show up and start asking me who was who in the book. So um, we're, we're, we're doing the whole based on real events, but names have been changed to protect the innocent. Yes, well, to a degree. Um, Ricky is obviously a much very different person than I am. He is in- incredibly, um, deeply interested in things like um, music and performance, where I I appreciate those things, but I'm not necessarily to the hilt as well as he is. And I would say that he is a little more anxious than I ever was, though it's uh, though it depends on certain situations. I can be I can be pretty much a big nail biter too. So there's a, there's enough in there of me that it's it, it wouldn't be any surprising if it wouldn't be surprising if anybody who knows me reads the book and pulls out little things that uh, might remind them of me I suppose. Well, I mean, you don't have to go through being a uh, dragon and all the um, everything that c- entails. Yes, and that's that's hopefully the universality of the book that there are that yes, these characters are mythical creatures that have these strange, crazy powers and and are you know incredibly powerful and things like that. But they also have human motivations, human emotions and uh, cognition, and that they deal with the same things that you and I and everyone else deals with. And that's really where I hope the story comes across as relatable and believable. Mm-hmm. Much of the story revolves around Ricky learning the ins and outs of college radio broadcasting. Do you have any experiences in this world yourself? I do. I have a little bit. When I was an undergrad, uh, I would occasionally go down to the the college radio station and uh, read the news in the evenings because that we would have um, the AP Newswire would come in, and I would go in there and collect a few interesting news uh, articles and read them on the air, usually with another news anchor. Um, so I am. I do have some experience with that. I've never actually spun records uh or anything like that so it took quite a bit of research to make sure that i was being as authentic as possible though i'm sure i've gotten a couple of things wrong here and there so if you want to send an angry letter uh you feel free to uh do so uh you can send us to black warren and we will uh we'll send you a free copy of the book actually don't quote me on that (laughs) well i've actually had some I actually have experience in that for one, which is weird, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna have to tell me if I got some of the, if I got anything really wrong then. But moving on, music plays a major role in the narrative. 
How much of your own background is reflected in this? There is quite a bit. Like I said earlier, um, Ricky is very, very invested in music, not to the same extent I am. Um, but I mean, I am an amateur performer. You know, I learned how to play folk guitar in high school and I was a, I, all through elementary school, through high school, I was a, a violinist. I was in the, the orchestra and obviously I enjoy music. Um, not to the same extent that Ricky and his family do. Um, but uh, there are some of his musical um, opinions that roughly coincide with mine. Uh, one of them is that the Sex Pistols were never good and that uh, <laughs> Oasis is way overrated. <laughs> and uh, a couple other ones in there that uh, you'll have to guess about. But um, actually, speaking of just how much music is intrinsic to the novel, the the cover of the uh, the novel, which is illustrated by the incredible Ivy Gladstone, who is our, our art director, is actually a nod to a, a music album that came out in the 1970s. And it is actually Billy Joel's 52nd Street album. Uh, and so if you're familiar with the album and you look at my, uh, you look at the cover of my novel, you will see uh, that it is definitely an homage. Uh, but uh, little things like that, that's more like an Easter egg. So you've heard it here first. You can go look up uh, 52nd Street and then look at the cover of the, of the album and tell me if it, uh, if it looks uh, similar. Is the book cover available for people to look at? Uh, the book cover should be available. Um, well, the book is in pre-order now. And if you go to either the Black Warrior Books website, uh, and pre-order it there, or if you go to the Amazon page for Black Warren, both of those places feature the the image of the uh, the cover art uh, extensively, and we're probably going to be sharing it on uh, social media for our uh, marketing um, build-up to the event, which is the release is officially September first. So, excellent. In previous stories sent into Argent City, Alora University doesn't feature as much as it does in on the air. What's your pr creative process for creating a new part of this world? So this was a huge responsibility for me because uh, Vaughn, who created the, Ar the Argent City, gave me pretty much full reign to do what I wanted to do with Alora University. It has appeared in some of his stories, but just just a little bit. So I took it very seriously to make sure that I that I created a real what felt to me anyway a living breathing university. Uh, a lot of that was uh, brought brought forward from my own experiences uh, going to school. Uh, I'm a graduate of, graduate of the State University of New York at New Paltz, so there are a lot of the aspects of the campus as it's described that were pulled from those experiences. Uh, in addition to that, though, I wanted to give the campus of Alora University a feel reminiscent of the City College of New York, which is very well known for its neo-Gothic uh, architecture. And I felt that that would be a really good uh, mix uh, with the established um, canonical flavors of the Argent City already. So it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and just a meshing of those two together to get what I hope is a, what I hope will be an iconic setting for, uh, for the story. What's it like to, in, to write in a established setting as opposed to an original one that you have full control over? It's it's much different. In one ways, you have uh, the advantage that there this the setting is already constructed, and that there are a set of rules that you can refer to to make sure that everything that you're writing fits within the original setting. Um, and that's something that Vaughn and I worked with very closely to make sure that I wasn't 
getting anything wrong, like things like the layout of the city, like where which which subway stations went where, things like that. Uh, and on the other hand, it is a challenge because you are sometimes second guessing yourself as to, well, will this fit in? Will this not fit in? In the long run, though, I do think that it was a really fun experience to take what I would usually do in creating a setting and, and instead use it to adapt the idea in my head of what the story was like so that it fit in this setting in a way that was as cohesive as possible. Because one of my biggest one of my biggest motivations was to honor the setting that Vaughn has created and to make it feel as seamless as that he could have wrote it, written it himself as far as the the setting and set plays elements. But of course you have to add your own flavor because you're not Vaughn. No, of course not. Uh, it's we're working in the same working in in the same setting, but I uh, hopefully that it is something that is you know, of the same space, but not exactly the same. Where it's something that you can obviously see. Oh, this was written by someone else, but it is in the same setting. I liken it to like comic books, where you have many different authors and writers writing in the same universe. Oh yes, very much so. It's very much um, something very akin to that. As you mentioned before, you've written a lot of stories across different genres in the past, including not just urban fantasy, but science fiction, horror, and traditional fantasy. Do you have a favorite genre? That's a really tough one. I would say that I tend to enjoy science fiction quite a bit. Um, doesn't mean that I don't also enjoy the other genres. Uh, a lot of the time, fusion genres are really my favorite. Like, for instance, a, a science fiction with horror elements might be really fun. Or something like that. Um, it really, if it's a genre fiction, I'm going to enjoy writing in it. I think maybe if there's one that's possibly my least favorite, might be fantasy, just because it's been this because there, there's so much good fantasy out there, and sometimes I feel like I don't know what I could bring to the table that would actually um, contribute to that in a positive way. Um, but I, I, I enjoy all of them, though. I would say out of, out of everything, science fiction with some horror elements would probably be my favorite. So does that mean we're going to be seeing certified gold in space? <laughs> no, I don't know about that. I may be working on some other projects, may or may not be working on some other projects that uh, are in different genres. But, uh, well, I mean, it all depends. If if On the Air is popular, I mean, there are plans to write more uh, stories concerning Ricky. So we'll have to see if there's a, there's a demand for it. Now... As you said, you've published short stories in several anthologies in the past, but this is your first full-length novel. How is the writing process different? It is definitely more of a marathon than a sprint. Usually with uh, short stories, I uh, I write pretty efficiently, where uh, if I have a good short story idea, I, would, I can get it out within a couple of days and then just tinker with it for a while until I'm satisfied with it. That is not the case with a novel. This is a months-long uh, marathon that takes a lot of effort. And it's not just from a word count perspective. It's about pacing. It's about characterization. It's about developing plot points. It's certainly a challenge. And it's one that somehow I got through. I would not have been able to get through it without my editors, without Vaughn and also Sky Sisk, who is our, this was the, the first um, uh, full-length novel that she edited for us. And she was absolutely invaluable with her insights in pointing things out that I might have missed or giving me different things to consider. So it's very much a it's very much a collaborative effort, even if I'm doing the one who's being the one who's doing the majority of the writing. Hmm. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that this is a community effort. 
Oh, absolutely. I would not have been able to do this without, without all the help from Black Warren staff. Do you have a process when you write? Depends. For this, for, the, for this novel, this is the first time that I employed a fairly rigorous process. Uh, I outlined everything almost. Well, that's not true. I outlined about the first half of the about the first half of the novel, uh, pretty consistently. And at that point, once I finished going through it and filling that outline in with actual narrative, I felt that I had the the formula, so to speak, where I didn't have to do the second half in the same way. Uh, but and that differs because usually I'm more of a seat of the pants type of process writing. Though I will say that I do quite a lot of research when I'm uh, looking at things, writing about things that I really have very little knowledge about. Um, one of the things that's important to me is at least a veneer of authenticity. So I do just enough, not, just enough research to make sure that I'm getting some important details right. And that's, that, that is probably the big, biggest thing that I will do in a preliminary sense before I actually start writing the narrative itself. Now, we mentioned before um, what's your favorite genres and everything, but what authors did you look up to that might inspire you or might have helped inspire this book? There's a lot. I mean, the first, first and foremost, I have to point to authors like uh, Neil Gaiman, who is a tremendous influence. He's a, fan, he's a fantastic writer and just an all-around amazing person, too. Uh, I actually had the, the honor of meeting him about... Oh, geez, 20 years ago now, when he was on his first tour of American Gods, back when it came out. Nice. And he was, yeah, I was working at a bookstore at the time, and he came in before the, before the signing and met with all of the staff there and gave them opportunities to get books of their own signed. And he had a little chat with each one for a few minutes. And it was a, it was, he was a very genuine, caring person. Um, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of author I want to be, regardless of his talent, which is prodigious, but also the kind of person that he is as as a person. Um, other than that, other influences are definitely Stephen King, uh, which is where the horror comes in. Um, Neil, Ga uh, not just Neil Gaiman, but also um, Sir David Pratchett. Sorry, Sir Terry Pratchett. Excuse David me, David Pratchett, huh? Um, I was. I don't know where I don't know where David Pratchett came from. Sir Terry Pratchett, yes, um, who is obviously very famous for. Um, for not just Discworld, but also the collaboration that he did with Gaiman on uh, on Good Omens. Other authors, actually, one of the earliest authors I remember reading, which was probably a mistake on my part because he's such a challenging read, uh, Stephen R. Donaldson, uh, who wrote the, the Thomas Covenant series, among very many others. He broke my brain with his with his absolute um, vicious vocabulary. There's some words in there that I had to look up. <laughs> I've got a pretty good vocabulary as it is, but. There, he he's he has an incredible lyrical style that is very very hard to imitate. He's definitely like an icon in that case, and I would absolutely anyone who's looking for a challenging read, and also not just that because the, the, the thematics of his work are very nuanced and extremely entertaining. Other than other than those, I mean, there you've got the typical ones. Growing up, I read a lot of the classics as a kid. You know, uh, Alexandre Dumas is one of my favorites. His Count of Monte Cristo is, to me, one of the most perfect novels ever. Edgar Allan Poe, Robert E. Howard, and um, and H.P. Lovecraft, uh, problematic as they are, which is something that I feel you have to acknowledge when you're talking about authors that have some really heinous stuff in their personal and professional lives. But, you know, Cosmic Horror is a favorite uh 
uh, genre of mine and um, things of that nature. I mean, I've read quite a lot of stuff, but yeah, I mean, I, but there are s- several influences, but I would say, you know, Gaiman, Donaldson, Pratchett, King, they would definitely be on the top of the list. Now, considering that Black Warren deals very much so with LGBT issues, themes, and characters. Are there any such characters in your book? And what challenges might you have faced in writing them? There are there are several uh, queer characters in the book. Um, and that is, you know, full disclosure here, I am the I am Black Warren's token uh, diversity hire. I identify as a cishet guy, so it's something that was really important to me to make sure that these, that these characterizations were authentic and accurate and i would make sure to get constant feedback on anything that i was writing um to make sure that i was getting i was getting things right um there are plenty of obviously you know non-queer characters in the book but this is this the the, the main character is asexual his, his one of the one of the biggest uh almost almost the deuterogonist of the book uh and again they are um they're non-binary and uh, and trans, and that's something that uh, is obviously not in my um, experience as a person. So I would be constantly researching and speaking to people and asking them, you know, approaches that I could take that would be respectful and authentic and accurate to make sure that I did not fall into the the cis het white guy trap of really just not getting it right and not even knowing they didn't get it right because representation matters yes absolutely and if i can use the privilege that i have as as a cishet dude to make these characters come to life and to give them visibility and the things that they go through more visible then you know that's what i want to that's what i want to use that's how i want to use my privilege and so i am weaponizing my privilege hopefully i'm doing it in a way that will make have a positive effect can we look to forward to more stories by you that are set in Argent City? And are we going to be continuing Ricky's story anytime soon? There are. There are uh, some plans that I can't necessarily divulge right now because I'm not the only one involved in them. But uh, there, there are some uh, plans to continue Ricky's story and also to have Ricky appear in other stories in the Argent City, not necessarily written by myself. So he is, uh, for a lack of a better term, a fixture in the Argent City at this point, and in in this in this setting in this universe, him and several of the other uh, characters that uh, I've created in the writing of this book. So uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to coming back to him and fleshing him out, either uh, personally or working with one of the other authors that, like Vaughn, that does uh, write Argent City books. So yes, absolutely. Well, we're just about out of time, but we wanted to thank you again for coming on to the show. Can you tell us one more time? where we can find your book and when it's coming out and where can we find you? Absolutely. Uh, Certified gold on the air. It will be available on September 1st on uh, the black Warren books website, blackwarrenbooks.com in, in EPUB format. And also it will be available on amazon.com uh, plans for both the Kindle format, uh, soft cover and hardcover, I believe. And uh, pre-orders are open now, uh, but it will be officially on sale on September 1st. Excellent. And uh, and as for where you can find me, the best place to find me will be on the Black Warren Books social media accounts. 
which I help to manage, and also on the Black Warren uh, blog, which I write quite a few blogs for Black Warren. Well, yeah. Thank you again for letting us know about your new book. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. And that's about all the time we have left for this podcast. I want to thank our guests, staff, and especially you for joining us at Alora Public Radio, the official podcast of Black Warren Books. You can find us on blackwarrenbooks.com, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and of course our official Discord server is linked below. Also make sure to check out our amazing merchandise from our esteemed on-staff artist, Ivy Bath. Episodes are edited by me, Chris, and posted to Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Remember, with Black Warren, be the hero, not a token. <laughs>